everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on Fenrick Sports. My name is Sebastian Oren. With me is Elliot Limblock. Niblock. Wow! Niblock, Whoa. there we go. And Polly Quistel. It's been a long day for me too. What have you been drinking? Uh, diet cola <laughs> and water. I was going to say diet cola and fatherhood. Nope. Yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been up since 4 a.m. this morning. Dude. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like the taste of fatherhood. Yeah, I got a growing baby girl who's um, having a growth, there she is now. growth spurt and teething at the same time. So 4 a.m. It was time to get up. But yeah, Elliot is with me and Polly is with me. And we're going to talk about what happened here on match week four in the Premier League. And then we'll take a look ahead at the Champions League that kicks off tomorrow, Tuesday, which is very nice if you're a fan of certain English teams. And then we have to address Alexi Lalas and his comments about the U.S. men's national team. But first and foremost, <laughs> Crystal Palace and their sacking of Frank De Boer after only, what was it, 77 days in charge? It's not the days that matters, it's the games. Yeah, it's four, like the second yeah. shortest term in terms of days, but it's the shortest in terms of games. Yeah, four games. Uh, they suffered a one nothing loss against Burnley, as I predicted. Got that one right on the nose. Drops Mike. Yeah, boom. Drops mice. Boom. Yeah, how'd you do on the rest of them? Ah, not so good, but I did. I mean, as long as I'm over, I had, what, five games correct and then one score. So that's seven points. I'm okay with seven points. That's not bad. I had eight. Eight and a score. And this was the first time I didn't, like, I I looked looked at the lines before the... On Friday, like I always do, and I said, no, 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 we're coming back from an international break. Like, you don't want to touch this. I had eight out of ten correct. Like, you would have thought I could have picked three and put that in the parway together. Maybe. But what happened last time? You managed to... Oh, last time I picked, like, seven correct, and I made a four-way parway, and it was, like, the three that I got wrong were, like, in there. Yeah. So... (laughs) Oh, you got to just parlay your non-picks, and then you're going to be doing gangbusters. In all, we all heard me. The entire segment, I said, it's after international break. Everything's going to be different from what you think it is. And yet, for some reason, I still picked West Brom to go 1-0. And then I went, and then I forgot to factor in Spurs are back to playing on a small field. Uh, maybe they'll probably blow Everton out. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, he, uh, DeBoer joins the list of not so, what do you want to call it, illustrious names. I mean, there are some weird ones here. Right, but here's the, th- well, what? illustrious names of what managers that have gotten yeah gotten fired after very short amount of time okay so here's the kicker is two out of the top three happened in the last two years and that's surprising though is it and that's that's exactly my point is it's not surprising and and that's kind of the problem (laughs) is if you lose a couple of games in the premier league now it's like you're done because somehow every team feels that they should be getting points in every game and that's just that's not how the league works no and i mean it if anything they dominated the game against burnley i feel like they deserved to win that game they were just unlucky and then in you know a very bad error from a player made it so that burnley got the only goal of the game they also they they're bringing in a manager like and they're who pretty you know they made a couple of signings, but they made a couple of signings. 
And then it's like you need to. He's a manager with a completely different style. Like, cause let's not let's not forget their last manager was Sam Allardyce, whose style is let's just figure out how the how the heck to get points in each game, and it's never going to be pretty, and we're gonna we're gonna figure it out because that's what I do. Yeah, and better style like, than let's figure out how to get bribed. <laughs> yeah, well, then it's so now it's okay. We survived. Now, like, let's play well so that we can. And, and, like, let's play well so that it's appeasing on the eyes so that people want to watch us and we're going to stay up. And if you're going to go out and do that, you need to let a manager bring in his own players because Christian Benteke is not that guy. And you need to give him time to let the players, you know, develop. And uh, I was watching some Premier League program this morning where they were like, you know, you could go into Chelsea and you could change the style because the players are good enough to adapt. At Crystal Palace... It's like most of these players like play a certain style and they can play a similar style, but they can't play a completely different style. It's like you can't teach old dogs new tricks. And if you're going to try to do that, you have to get time. And if you're going to sack Frank DeBoer after four games, why'd you hire Frank DeBoer? I mean, that's the, that's the problem right there. I think it's a yeah. clear sign that Crystal Palace board don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, I don't – I mean – I. I agree and I disagree. I mean, the thing is, well, well, let's now go to the guy who roots for a team whose board does not know what they're doing. Let's have your insight. Go. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, should anybody be more familiar with a debacle that is at the board level? And, and that's why we're going to you. Exactly. Oh God. Uh, profanity removed. What I think that the Crystal Palace ownership are doing is that they're trying to play their hand as though they were a Manchester City or a Chelsea. And in many ways, their ownership is similar to that, right? Like, like this is a club that has been bought up and they want to compete at that level. They've said that for many years. They've failed to do so. And so... I'm, I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand, I think that it's kind of uh, it, it's a weak hand to play in oh gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but in imitation of Abramovich in aspiration to be like Roman Abramovich. Hopefully they don't assassinate anyone in London, but we'll just put a pin in that. And hopefully I don't get assassinated for saying that, but fortunately they don't know where I live. And on the other hand, it also so shows... Frankly, neither do we. Yeah, touche. That's a good point, Paulie. <laughs> I am on the road a lot. Uh, but also, on the other hand, it's not... I mean, maybe they're jumping the shark on this, but at the same time, you don't want them to languish until they make a change. Do I think that it's hasty? Yes. Do I think that it's moving... It, trying to, to like trying to force your way by an executive decision into the fold of the top clubs in England. Also, yes. Was it the wrong decision? I'm not so sure about that because well, they've looked flat in every game. Yes, so, they have. They've been poor. But the thing is, too, that another thing that points to that they don't know what they're doing is, by all accounts, now Roy Hodgson is going to come in. I think Roy, but Hodgson. Roy Hodgson might be a better 
fit for this team than Frank exactly. DeBoer, which I guess exactly. which I guess justifies your point, Seb, of they don't know what they're doing because why did you hire Frank DeBoer in the first place? Yeah, Roy and, was available. And you look at this team and you look at I mean, the manager that comes up and I I'm, I'm borrowing this from or okay. Sorry, I'm stealing this from a show that I watched this morning. The manager that comes up is Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche has done God only knows what with so little. And does that mean he deserves, like, a job? does that mean he deserves the Arsenal job? Probably not. Like, because let me tell you something. David Moyes did a lot with a little for a lot of years at Everton. And we took him. So it uh, didn't work out. So, Elliot, that's your warning for Sean Dyche and Eddie Howe. Uh, but to Sean Dyche... Is Sean Dyche a better manager for Crystal Palace than what they have? Is he a good fit for the players that they have? Probably. Maybe. Was he willing to come to Crystal Palace? Well, he interviewed with you, so probably. In which case, why didn't you hire him? And their excuse was, well, he didn't interview well. Well, yeah, who cares? Like, look at his look at his damn resume. Because his resume is, I've just kept Burnley in the Premier League for two straight years, and we're probably going to stay up this year, too, especially because... You guys suck, so that's one less team that we have to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. That is really, really true. So we'll see. It's I, not it's not been finalized yet that Roy is coming in, but by all accounts, it looks like Roy will come in on a two-year contract. Well, so, and also, I mean, the thing about Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace is that I was frustrated by the way he was treated at Liverpool, and I still think and will always hold the opinion that he was kind of hard done by there. Because I kept saying over and over again, we're going to give him the transfer window, we're going to give him the transfer window, and then they did not do that. Yeah, he, was hard, he was hard done by England, too. But, yeah. also, but, but he's... But he no, but like this is... England job. No, but he... I, 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 I'm... I don't know. I, I have the that whole there's, Clint Super Strike with the Fulham team managed by Roy Hodgson has admittedly softened a place in my heart for that manager. But nonetheless, more objectively, I'll tell you why when you're Palace done, but... is exactly the job that he is good for. Like, he's good for teams that are, their goal is mid-table. And if they punch above their weight, they're in ninth place. If they're having a mediocre season but not atrocious, they're in 15th and solidly above relegation. This is a match made in heaven, another London club after Fulham that is going to struggle without him. Roy Hodgson, I will tell you right now, will keep Crystal Palace safe from relegation. You're exactly right about that. Is He's a good fit for this club because this is the kind of club that he should be managing. He should not have been managing Liverpool. Liverpool made the mistake of saying Roy Hodgson did really well with this tiny, tiny Fulham club dragged him to the Europa League final and all right, that was like, so let's, hard to watch that was so hard to watch let's let, like let's give him the job now admittedly like we're all I mean Seb's probably been following this league since he was a child I've been yes. following this league since I was 13-ish um, so I am relatively new to this league compared to people that grew up with it what I've learned is in this league you don't if you are a big club you don't want the guy that overachieves with a smaller club because it's a it's a completely different game to manage a team like Fulham and say like and drag them to eighth place. That's a different game than 
than trying to compete for a title, even with all the resources, with a Liverpool or a Manchester United. We've seen that time and time again. If you're a big club, you want and you need a new manager that's not the same recycled Carlo Ancelotti or Rafa Benitez or Jose Mourinho. If you want to go new, you go and you find someone that managed at a quote-unquote big club in a small country. You know, someone that's... Nagoya Grampus 8, for example, in the J you, you, you go and you find you find the next Jose Mourinho. You find the guy that's won a bunch at Porto, and, you know, he's competed in the Champions League. He hasn't succeeded in the Champions League, but, you know, by the fact that he wins titles and competes on multiple fronts, even if the leagues aren't as competitive, that's the kind of guy that you want to take a chance on. And Liverpool, yeah. made, Liverpool made the mistake of saying, the same way that United made the mistake on David Moyes, they made the mistake on saying... Well, you overachieve with Fulham. Clearly, we should give you a, a job. And they made that mistake again with Brandon Rogers. So I don't know if he was hard done by it, but yes. And then you're right. He shouldn't have gotten. Or I, I think I'm right. He shouldn't have gotten the England job. And he played it safe with England, especially when he was gifted like England's best generation in a while. Played it way too safe with them. This is the team for him to manage. England should have kept Sven. That's all I'm saying. They should have kept Sven. You know, they really should have. They really God. should have. They really they, should have. I mean, they mucked it up in 2004, but, like, that's also kind of because Rooney got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 2006, Rooney gets sent off. Michael Owen crawls off the field in that game in, like, the first minute. Like, they weren't – they really should have kept Sven. He yeah. got hard done by. Yes, he did. And with that, we're going to take a first break. When we come back, we're we'll talk Manchester City-Liverpool. So stick around. And we're back. The uh, weekend kicked off with a thump. 5 nothing. Manchester City over Liverpool. Although you could say that this game was... Good thump or bad thump? Because you, you made that sound bad. No, it was a good thump. That was a good first game of the weekend, I think. I was a little bit disappointed that it was basically ruined by the red card for Sadio Mane. Uh, and we'll get into that. But Manchester City, Pummel, Liverpool, 5 nothing. Uh, Aguero. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. You got to get into it now because they didn't pummel them until the red card. Yes. Aguero gave them the lead in the 24th minute. And then Mane got sent off in the 37th minute after Karada kicking the goalkeeper in the face. And I think that was, that was such a red card. That was, by all accounts, a super given red card. I don't know why there's any talk about this why is there because why because liverpool have a lot of fans yeah but have you seen how he looks oh yeah yeah no they've they've changed their they've changed their opinion in the last four hours okay. when that picture came out but at the time and and my friend's a liverpool fan and oh boy were we getting texts about it oh boy um about this not you know because the there is the line of defense that Mane was only going for the balls. Never, never even looked at, at uh, Ederson. He never really saw him. And Doesn't matter. Doesn't So here's the boot. issue. It's a high boot. So here's the issue. Is that if you go onto FIFA.com and look at the rules for, like, reckless play or, or one of the things, I can actually, I'll pull it up um, if I can find the text. But literally the picture that they show is someone with giving a boot to the face of the opposition <laughs> player. And it pretty much like says like, Oh, like in this situation, like 
you would caution him. Or like in this situation, you wouldn't even caution him. So according to the FIFA website, yeah, here we go. Found the picture. Uh, Playing in a dangerous manner. So playing in a dangerous manner involves no physical contact between the players. If there is physical contact, the action becomes an offense punishable with a direct free kick or penalty kick. In case of physical contact, the referee should carefully consider the high probability that misconduct has also been committed. Um, If a player plays in a dangerous manner that is a normal challenge, the referee should not take any disciplinary action. Okay, that one was not normal. If the action is made with the obvious risk of injury, the referee should caution the player. If the player denies an obvious goal-scoring opportunity playing in a dangerous manner, the referee should send off the player. That's on FIFA.com, and literally the picture that they have is Brazilian Ronaldo literally kicking a Cameroon player in the face. Mm. So if we were in the court of law at the time of the infraction, Liverpool would have a pretty solid case. However, you're right, Elliot. Like, a high boot is a high boot, and intent doesn't matter in the law. And you could argue Ederson dropped his shoulder and was leading with his shoulder in towards Mane, but... And that's why he got kicked in the face. But if he didn't do that, he gets kicked in like the the upper breast area, and that's still a high boot. Yeah, I I, I think this is a clear a, cut. Red yeah, card. it's a clear cut red card. Liverpool, according to Sky sources, though, the will is, they will appeal the length of the ban, which I can understand. I would I would be willing to knock off um knock off a, a game or two on that ban because it, it there was no intent. It no, was an accident. No, uh, and, yes. and I know what Mane was trying to do. Mane's going in there saying, saying I'm just going to flick the ball around, and if, if I'm successful, I have a goal. And if I'm not, like because Ederson takes me out, if I get to that ball first, which if you're at Mane's speed, why, don't, why wouldn't you think that? Then if Ederson takes me out, then it's a penalty, and he's sent off. So I understand what he was there, – there was no intent. What made this entirely worse – was that in the game the next day, there was another high boot. Uh, it may or may not have made some contact, but only a yellow was shown. Yep. No, I mean, the, it's super unlucky that he catches him right on the jaw. And like you said, he's looking at the ball and everything, yes. But when you get that type of contact, it is a red card. Right, it's exact. Yeah, that's... And look, I have a friend who's, who's a big Liverpool fan, and he was he was going up a storm and I was just like, look, this is a red. I, I agree with you. There was no intent. There's no intent to injure. He's clearly going for the ball. He doesn't, he's not even looking at the goalkeeper. This isn't like that Watford play two weeks ago where the guy went flying in scissor kick. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. But if you look at, if you go to the NHL, like uh, when a player in his own zone, just shoots it out over the glass, whether he's trying to do it or not, like whether the law that's penalty. And I feel like it's, are, I feel like it's more more analogous to high sticking actually. Is that, right. I also made that player, too. Yeah. Like if there's another you know, player immediately stick, there, then if your stick accidentally catches somebody up high, penalty. Like whether you tried to do it or not, it's penalty. And in this case, your boot was up high, you're sent off. Yep. I mean, yeah. You you catch a guy in the face with your cleats, you're gonna be lucky to get a yellow no matter what. If it's the goalkeeper, then Yeah, yeah, that too, is the fact that it was the goalkeeper, obviously, the fact that he got hurt makes it worse, and the Mm -hmm. fact that it was the goalkeeper makes it worse, because we've all seen seen balls get flicked up in the box, and 
there's a striker there, you know, like after a corner or something, there's a striker there and there's no one near the striker. And he jumps up to that header. And as he's jumping up, the goalkeeper comes running in for a punch. The goalkeeper runs into the striker and the goalkeeper goes down and it's a foul on the striker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, when the goalie's involved, it's it's always going to go against the player. Yeah, most likely. Uh, so after that, sending off uh, Gabriel Jesus scored deep into because they added so what was it eight additional minutes seven? Oh my god! You know what my favorite part was? No. They added they added eight minutes, and right after they like right when they announced because they announced the time added like right around the forty five minute. Well, obviously they added it right around the forty five minute mark, but play resumed right around the forty five minute mark. <sighs> so they add the time on and. They're just like, oh, we're gonna have an additional eight minutes, and it was like the total stoppage for that was nine and a half minutes, and I'm like, well, why are we not getting nine and a half minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, if we know that the stoppage was nine and a half minutes, then we should have at least nine and a half minutes. Yeah. So All right, let me let me ask you guys a question that is related to this, but kind of more theoretical, irrespective of the game itself, and that is, do you think that if and when the Premier League moves more towards replay for you know decisions like penalty kicks decisions like sending offs which i think they should then are do we do we think that we'll see more exact time wasting like do we do we think that there's going to be a clock that will be more specific to okay it has been nine and a half minutes therefore nine and a half minutes are added on no we can't we can't bring the clock on and this came this came up a couple weeks ago when it was, like, revealed that, like, the, the West Brom match only had the ball in play for, like, 47 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah. You can't start having a clock. <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like, oh, God, Tony. You, you can't start having a clock. If you do, you have to go to, like, 60-minute games. Uh, yeah. If you want to do, like, the clock stops when the ball goes out, you have to have 60-minute games. You can't start having a clock for these things. And in this game, I mean, frankly, yeah. If the stoppage is nine and a half minutes, maybe we should have gotten at least ten minutes of of um, of added time. Yeah, of added time. Now, in this case, Liverpool, they would have they, they're much happier with eight than they would have been with ten. Oh yeah, and they would have been and, like, can we ju- can we just he's okay? Can we just go into the dressing rooms now? Right, and in terms of in terms of in that West Brom match, because I forgot who they were playing, but in that West Brom match for the fans perspective we were like no no no, 47 minutes is fine like that's okay no one wants to watch more of that game yeah yeah so gabriel jesus i would rather not keep the clock going and just get like normally like oh united are down at old trafford give him an extra minute yeah jesus made it two nothing there right before the break then he added a second to make it three nothing 53rd minute and then literally added yes he actually scored his second goal before he scored his first goal Yep, time travel. His first, his second goal was in the fifty-second minute, and his first goal was in like the forty-five plus. Oh no, it was the forty-eighth minute, and the second goal was in like the forty-five plus five minute. So and then two like two late goals by Leroy Sané. Uh, good game for Kevin De Bruyne picking up two assists. So uh, yeah, I mean overall it was a great game for City. This is sort of what they needed for Liverpool. It was Klopp's heaviest Premier League defeat. There we go. It was his uh, heaviest defeat. It was the first time he, he gave a five goal since losing 5-1 to Louis van Gaal. Oh, wow. Which I had to fact check that because I was like, a Louis van Gaal team can't score five goals. <laughs> Louis van Gaal is Bayern Munich in 2009. Granted, yeah. by, uh, 
Dortmund sucked back then. So no. not surprising, but uh, yeah, that was it was bad. But at the same time, uh, it was t- it it went two 0 quick, and then by like the by like the sixty second minute, Klopp had pulled all of his good players off the field. Uh, you know, Salah came out. I think Firmino came out. You know, at a certain point, he said, "You know what? Like, yeah, this game is over." You know, it's not that this game is over, but like, you know, we have plenty of time to make up the goal difference. So I got like, we have Sevilla this week. Let's get our good players off the field, and we're not we're not getting back into this game. Like, if we lose, if we lose three nil, okay. If we lose five nil, okay. If we lose eight nil, okay. Like, we're gonna lose, and we'll we'll worry about the goal difference later because. The odds of the odds of the top four race or whatever race you're going for coming down to goal difference are so slim mm-hmm. that good for him. He took his players off and he took his best players off because the game is over. And he's you know, you have a Champions League match coming up this week and City just took advantage of that. So it was a flattering scoreline for City, but yeah. Liverpool kind of gave up. Yeah, they and did. as they should. Yeah. It's and, understandable. Yeah, but and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like they Good for like good on Klopp that you you know you you just conceded the match and you said I'm gonna get my players off. Yeah, he, he I mean he he did the smart thing, absolutely. Uh, let's go over to Everton Tottenham. Uh, Spurs taking a three nothing win, two goals by Harry Kane. He's now scored a hundred goals for Tottenham. Christian Eriksen also got on the score sheet there. And um, how did you think uh, Wayne Rooney did in this one? Poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had his typical Wayne Rooney, like I'm frustrated, late challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with with all the headlines surrounding Rooney, um, you know, he he started the game, which we knew he would. But um, yeah, what did you think here? I mean, as far as Everton goes, Kuman made two early changes. Well, he should have made a change before the match and started Calvert Lewin over Sandro. Mm. You're not a big Sandro Ramirez fan. I'm I'm not a big Sandro Ramirez fan. I'm a big fan of like maybe in big games play your best players and Calvert Lewin is one. <laughs> you just love the players with the double last name. I love players that are good, and if they happen to have double last names, so be it. Uh, well, okay. Let, here, here's my hot take on this. Admittedly, deserved, hard-fought Tottenham victory. Harry Kane's getting all this attention because he scored 100 goals. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Good for I, him to actually what? score at the beginning of the season too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, also that. I I admittedly, if I was a Tottenham supporter, I would love Harry Kane. As an Arsenal supporter, I wish we had a Harry Kane even though he was also part of Arsenal's youth squad. Don't worry about that. Just mm. smooth that over. Pretend like that never happened. Don't worry that he was ready to play for Arsenal as a kid. Don't worry about it. Just pretend like he's shh, he's your perfect boy. Don't worry about it. But regardless. If he, if he regardless, came up through the Arsenal system as a striker, he'd be playing on the right wing right now because that's where Wenger would stick him. Okay, touche. But my point here is this. That like his, you know, the, the shtick about him is over the moon. And yeah, good for him scoring his 100th Tottenham goal. You know who's out 100 goals for Arsenal? Is Olivier Giroud. You know who gets shtick all the time for being a mediocre striker? Mm, I wonder, you know, who's been playing for Arsenal for, what, let, let's say, uh, uh, three years less? Three years fewer. Excuse me, poor grammar. 
Wait, how Three many? Years how okay. wait, no. wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Harry Kane only broke into the Premier League team like two years ago. How many? Three, yeah. three. How many games? We got to look this up. Can how many all games? Right, right. Giroud. Giroud made thirty-four appearances in the league for Arsenal in two thousand twelve. Harry Kane didn't come around in two thousand twelve. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about appearances, though. He still. I I I do not debate that Harry Kane. Drew, 166 appearances in the Premier League, 70 yes. 70 goals, 230 appearances for Arsenal, 99 goals. Harry Kane has uh, ma- he made his Premier League debut in, in actually in 2012-13 also, but only made 10 appearances the following year. Didn't really catch on in the Premier League until the following season which was 2014-15 where he made 34, 169 total appearances, 101 goals. And again, my point still holds is that he is he is a better striker, I think, objectively. What's right? your point? Like, because Giroud's made about 70 more appearances. Yes. Yeah. No. But he's but he's <laughs> not. That, the thing that, is that, 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 that. No, no, no. Come on. Well, hear, hear me out here. <laughs> You're almost sounding dumber right now than Seb was like, oh, Harry Kane scored early in the season as if he wasn't on Twitter on Saturday where everybody would remind him that it's not August anymore and Harry Kane's allowed to start scoring goals. My point, though, (laughs) is that this is but like this is the difference in and who knows, maybe the stadium will divide their fan base. Make the point. (laughs) I'm excited for this. Yeah, We got to go to break, too. Harry Kane is a fantastic striker for England and for Tottenham, and he will continue to be so for both. He will always hold a better place in his Tottenham legacy than Giroud ever will. But Giroud gets so much stick from Arsenal fans when, in fact, he's scored almost as many goals as Harry Kane has, granted in more matches. 70 more games! <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. Like, I, well, I, I'm... I'm never going to tell you that Olivier Giroud is as good a striker yeah. in the Premier League as Harry Kane is. But I am saying that his, like, the shtick that he gets from Arsenal fans is unfair. It is unwarranted comparatively. Like, he is on the same number of goals. Yeah, he has more appearances. Yeah, but, but I, I think his conversion no, rate, though. No, you're making no sense. Because... It's it, it's all right, so it's sixty one more games. Sorry that I rounded up to seventy. Yes. It's sixty one more games. <laughs> it's, it's that's a lot of games for the same. That's a lot more games where he just doesn't score goals. Okay, so, let's yeah, talk I about understand. minutes. Then. Let's talk about minutes. You okay. want? I mean, none of us none of us have the metric to break this down in this episode. But we do. next we episode, do. So just give, when, keep yes. talking for three more minutes, and I will have your answer. Yeah, we're gonna take Sorry. a we're gonna take a break. Yeah, I, I, I will I will. Tell you what, Polly. Next time I'm in New York, I will bet you two rounds of drinks that it is comparable. Okay, we're gonna take a short break. When we'll be back, we'll find the answer to this dying. The question we all want to know: How do Hurricane stack up to Olivia Giroud as far as minutes played per goal and conversion rate and all that good stuff? So we'll be right back. And we're back. Polly, our statistician, has been delving deep into the interwebs and has pulled out the statistics that we all need to know here. Harry Kane versus Olivier Giroud. I can't tell you how much he's played for Arsenal total or how much Kane has played for Tottenham total. Well, yes. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, both of that. What I can tell you is um, 
we could break this down by Premier League stop by by the Premier League, and that is Olivier Giroud has 168 Premier League appearances, 70 goals. Harry Kane has 120 Premier League appearances, 80 goals. Um, Olivier Giroud has played 10,984 minutes in the Premier League. Harry Kane 9,480 with 10 more goals. So you can't even make the argument that the Europa League has been inflating his goals total. His goals total. <laughs> I was I wasn't trying to make that argument. I still I still think it's roughly comparable. Well, now no, Gir- now <laughs> now Giroud has a chance though in the Europa League to boost his stats. Yeah, that's true. Harry Kane only has 10 Europa League goals. <laughs> so Giroud just needs to get on that. But how is it how is it comparable? I I I just I I nonetheless think that it's Giroud, 10 I more mean, goals. It's 10 more goals in uh 48 more fewer appearances and nearly a thousand over a thousand fewer minutes. It's about right, 1500 well, fewer minutes. Elliot will Two die on this I will hill. Say, all right, two things. One, I mean, you're probably kind of right, even though I think Olivier Giroud gets more stick. My, my point is mostly Olivier Giroud gets more stick than he should, but okay, yeah, but wait. Harry Kane is now a better here's, striker. Here's the, here's the final question. Does Harry Kane play with anybody that is as good as Alexis Sanchez or Mesut Ozil? Uh, his overall complement is greater and plays better as a team. Oh, get that. You get out, dude. <laughs> Go. You, okay. Go jump in a river. Let's let's go to the Champions League here, where Tottenham will play and Arsenal will not. Yeah. Case in point. Also, yes. Olivier Giroud infinitely yeah. more. Yeah. Giroud go. Let Giroud go inflate his goal total in the. Uh, let Giroud go inflate his goal total in the Europa League. Oh wait, he probably won't because Danny Welbeck will start a striker. Mm. Danny Welbeck. Okay, so kicking things off tomorrow in Group A, we got Benfica against Seska Moscow and Manchester United playing at home against FC Basel, the Swiss champs. Uh, Polly, quick note on United against Basel. Do you think this will be an easy game for United or a tough it's, one? It's never easy in the, it's never easy in the Champions League. But not, not even at home. Not even at home just because I would have said like in previous years, like, yeah, Basel at home, like, will probably win this game 1-0 because, like, in the Sir Alex Ferguson years, like, you, that's what you did against Basel. You won 1-0. Uh, but we've only played in the Champions League. Uh, we, we actually made it through relatively unscathed with David Moyes. But since then, with the current team, that was not the Fergie leftovers. We didn't even get out of the group in uh, the Louis Van, Van Hall year. I would, I would say I have full confidence in Josie, but then he decided to get cute at the weekend. So I don't know what's going on. I just – I'm happy that – Fellaini's hurt, so he's not an option because otherwise he'd be in there. Yeah, and yeah, we should win this game, but like, don't expect it to be pretty. I know we have so much goddamn talent. We're definitely better than Basel, but like, one nil sounds standard and fine. Yeah, Basel—they've won the uh, Swiss Super League eight years in a row. Jesus, really? Yeah. Oh, poor grasshoppers. That is. Yeah, well, uh... they're Bayern. Munich. They're the Swiss Bayern Munich. <laughs> like, yeah. Although it's weird because they're also they're like they're no they're more the Swiss Barcelona if Barcelona didn't have a rival because they had the same color scheme. Hmm. Oh, that's such a bad justification. They're the Swiss Bayern Munich because there's nobody else that can compete with them. Hmm. Oh come on, don't sell your Dortmund short. Come on, Polly. We all know you love the Bundesliga and Dortmund in particular. Yeah, they... I love the Bundesliga, but yeah, I love stand the up for the wall. The games are entertaining. I don't trick myself into thinking that Dortmund are going to win it. I just bought a second Dortmund jersey of my life. Okay. Um, my Christian Pulisic jersey arrived 
on Friday, which was nice. Now, I do have a Shinji Kagawa number seven jersey, which is proof that I got into Dortmund before Pulisic got there because he only wore number seven for one year. But I love the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga is so much fun. All they do is score goals. But I don't think it's myself that anybody besides Bayern Munich can win it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the teams that I support in Germany are neither of them are currently in the Bundesliga. So we should say that Basel has former Norwich flop Ricky van Wolfswinkel up front. We should even say that. Yeah, we should. Because that's a great name. Van Wolfswinkel. (laughs) You just wanted to say the name. I just wanted to say the name. Then Group B by Munich takes on Anderlecht and then Celtic go up against PSG. Good, Good luck, Celtic. Just good luck. PSG looking so good with Neymar and Mbappe and Cavani. I actually watched the PSG game on Friday and whoever they were playing, it's got a red card in like the second half. It was nil nil. And then it just, or maybe it was one, one, but after that it was just, it was not fair. Yeah. Floodgates were open. <laughs> then group C also tomorrow, Chelsea taking on Quarabag at home. I mean, this should also be a fairly easy game for them. I, I don't know what a Quarabog is, so I just assume Chelsea. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a some kind of villain in Final Fantasy. They're from the uh, Azerbaijani Premier League. My favorite my favorite part of the Champions League is like you can look at the group stage and like just based on the way that the team sounds, you could be like, okay, that's a team that's going to finish fourth, that's a team that's going to go to the Europa League or that's a team that like Came out of pot four, but like might actually make a run, or that's a team that actually might sneak into the group stage. Yeah. Quarabog is they're going they're going down. They're like the Maccabi Haifa of the Champions League this yeah. year. Yeah, and then also in Group C we got Roma against Atletico Madrid. So if I was gonna watch one game from Group C, I would watch that game. Which one is it? Roma against Atletico Madrid. Oh yeah. We might have put that on because my boss the Atletico fan. Hmm. Yeah, well, he should be happy. Simeone is staying. Uh, then Group D, Barcelona against Juventus. That's the you know the marquee game, of course. Uh, two good teams there. And then Olympiacos takes on Sporting Club de Portugal. So Which, that group, that group, just everything that I just said about the Champions League. That group just shat in my face because both Olympiacos <laughs> and Sporting sound like they can go to the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Then uh, in fact, if Sporting got a different group, I would say they can go to the they can go to the knockout round. Yeah. Then um, I sort of lost my way here. Yeah. Wednesday, Group E, we got uh, Maribor against Spartak Moscow and then Liverpool taking on Sevilla. So the two top ranked teams in this group go up against each other right off the bat. Liverpool also at home. Uh, the only English side that plays That's away. That's a rematch is... of the final. Come yeah. on, Seb. The only team, English team that plays on the road. It's Manchester City. They go away to Feyenoord. They're in Group F. Where They're also not on TV in America. Hilarious. Oh, really? Yeah. Because usually it's like the, you know, the two English teams get channel preference on yeah. Fox. And then like Real Madrid and Barca will get channel preference, I guess. Mm. Uh, and I guess since Barca's playing Juventus, that's obviously going to be shown on TV. Oh, yeah. They got three channels. Uh, but there's five English teams. So uh, one of those days, uh, one of those days, there's too many English teams playing and they just opted for Matt. Well, because Tottenham's playing. Uh, Borussia Dortmund. Tottenham's playing Dortmund and Liverpool's playing Sevilla. So City are the odd team out because Fox Soccer Plus, for the 15 people that get that channel, mm. uh, shows multi-match 90. So Manchester City, not on TV. Hmm. Also in that group, Group F, that's Shakhtar Donetsk against Napoli. And then Group G, we got Leipzig against Monaco and Porto against Besiktas. Then Group H, 
Real Madrid against Apoel and Tottenham against Dortmund. I mean, we should talk about that game. I mean, that's the game I would want to watch on Wednesday. Oh yeah, oh for sure. (laughs) Yeah, by far. Well, what do you think? What do you think comes out of that? I mean, it's it's interesting too to see what Pochettino said as far as the you know because you have a set number of players and there's different rules between the Champions League and the Premier League as far as expand on that. Yo, well. Let's say this: Eric Dyer doesn't count as a homegrown player. He's okay. He's irked about that, and so then he's, Ben so, Davis. So it's it's amount of people on your squad. Yeah, because which like you have like twenty five people, and you you get to name eighteen in the match day squad, and we know who the eighteen are going to be for Tottenham. So that's Pochettino just spewing. Well, I mean, because he had to leave off Eric Lamella. Oh no! So he's not you in the guy who's dead and yeah. isn't coming back until forever. Yes. And the fact that, like, Ben Davis, he doesn't count as a homegrown player because he was uh, doing his uh, youth soccer at Swansea. And since they're Wales and not England, it's sort of weird, although they play in the Premier League. So right. it's a little bit weird. But uh, it is but it like, is what it is. This is Tottenham's also a team that, like, routinely has people from their youth team in there in their match day 18 and like if you're like under 22 or something you don't even count on the rock on yeah. the squad well i mean that that's the thing too like both davison sanchez and uh juan foyt they don't count as under 21 players but so, they so, for right, so the cost, champions league but they do it. they do in the premier league so shove it <laughs> so we'll see there yeah how I, is this going to affect them against dortmund <laughs> Because we only need an 18, and Eric Lamella was not going to be part of that 18 to begin with. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund, they have a really good team, and playing at Wembley hasn't been Spurs' strong suit. I can easily see Dortmund winning this. Elliot? Yeah, I mean, I I can easily see it. I'm going to hope for it. I think that Tottenham will bring a strong side. And What happened last time they played? Uh, Tottenham and Dortmund? Yes. When was the last time they played? In the Europa League, round of 16. Did yeah, they? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, they, all right, well, but when was that? Like two, three years ago? Uh, March, was that last year? March 2016. Yeah, I was going to say. So, uh, all right. That was a different Dortmund team. Dortmund so won thing. 5-1 on aggregate. Okay, good for them. Yes, good I was probably happy about that at the time. I would still be happy about that at this time. <laughs> of course. Here's here's the thing. If the Wembley curse is real, which it very well might be, because Tottenham do suck on big fields, then they're screwed. If it's not, then I think Tottenham win this game because Dortmund have a really young team and it, it was exposed last year when, when they were dealing with Champions League, like they'd play a Champions League game and then they'd drop points against some crap team in Germany. It's already been exposed this year. They came they came back from the international break. Um, Fox, the people on Fox who were Americans, were quote-unquote surprised that Christian Pulisic was in the lineup because the travel from Honduras and everything, and that's just your Fox people trying to figure out how to talk about Pulisic at the same time. But, yeah, at the same time, like, all these guys came – you have a lot of young guys with this team coming back from an international break. They go to Freiburg or Freiburg, yep, who Freiburg. took an, a Freiburg. first half red card. They took a first half red card. So, Dortmund are playing with um, – they're playing with – they're playing against 10 men. And as, as you know – whether Pulisic is tired from Honduras or not, they still have Aubameyang, they still have Nuri Sahin in there, they still have Gonzalo Castro in there, still have, their defenders are very experienced. No, no draw. They get held by them. It's The inexperience still shows. 
And they just did that, and now they have to travel to England. Like this is, and Tottenham. If you look at Tottenham's eleven against against Everton, it's very clear that Ma, that Mauricio Pochettino had one eye on this game with the players that he held off and kept on the bench. Mm. So if the Wembley curse is not real, Tottenham really have a good chance of getting three points against Dortmund and really getting out ahead in this group that we know is going to be very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it will be a very interesting game to watch. Uh, you should all watch it. That's our takeaway from this. It's the Fox Sports <laughs> one game, so. There we go. You're forced to watch it. Because, you know, God forbid they miss a chance to show an English team and promote Christian Pulisic at the same time. There we go. It's a win-win. He probably won't play in this game. He probably won't. He will play. He probably won't start. <laughs> okay, let's do our final uh, point here on the bulletin, and that's Alexi Lalas and his message for the uh, U.S. men's national team. Get off my lawn! Get off my lawn. That was his final but words. I, lo- I love that. Well, love he that. said get off my lawn because he sounded like an old man complaining. But yes. Yeah. Which is I'm pretty like, sure Elliot's pre- going to say the same thing as I am, so I'm going to let you say it first. Bingo. 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 On Bongo. the nose. I, I loved... I agreed with everything that he said, and I think that his last kind of tongue-in-cheek moment was like, yeah, I'm being real damning, but I kind of get to be that because... I'm the older generation. I'm going to play the role of the curmudgeon. Also, I've been there before, and I did better. Well, also, also, it's, also a mic- he's, it's not just he's been there before. It's I played in front of 200 people. Like, no one even knew that I was playing when I was there. Like, I played, in, and everybody was just like, why are you playing soccer? And now it's like, you're. he's right. You are the most supported generation. There has never been more U.S. fans than right now. And the only... And I understand where he went. He went from the back to the front. But the only problem that I have with what he said, because I don't think there was a single untrue thing with what he said, I have two problems with what he said. The first is that he didn't go, he didn't start out with Michael Bradley and immediately follow it up with Josie Altador. And the second thing is that he called out Jeff Cameron, who, you know, had a really bad game against Costa Rica, but that was like his one bad game. I don't know if Jeff Cameron deserves to be called out. Other than that, like, you got to start, like, Tim Howard probably, like, yeah, he did bad on that goal. But it's not like Tim Howard is sitting there being, like, like trying to live off the, the Belgium game. He had a bad game. Like, he had, you know, he didn't do well. And I think Bruce Arena is being overly cautious by not playing him in these other games. Not that Brad Guzan was at the at fault on, in that Honduras goal. Mm-hmm. You know, he should have started with, with Michael Bradley. I don't think he called out Michael Bradley nearly enough. I think he did call out Josie Altador, but by calling out Josie Altador, it's essentially calling out uh, Bruce Arena. Like, if, if this is the best that you have, it's not good enough, and and that's fine. If that's the best you have, that's fine, but then it's on the manager to say, okay, that's the best you have, we need better than that, and I'm going to call on a different player. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. everything that Alexi Wallace said was true. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree entirely. I think that maybe he was a little bit overly harsh, especially with his kind of tongue-in-cheek quips about wonder boy he was fairly harsh yeah but regardless i will i will say this i think that in well you know the caveats that you gave in some points maybe it was overly harsh with particular players but on the whole it was fairly harsh insofar as yeah he he did exactly what i think he should do because he knows he has a platform yes please with that platform try to light a fire under these players like try to make them be angry and play for something because they looked complacent in both of these games. So, But you I, know what? It was really refreshing because 
too often the people that are that work for the networks that that broadcast the US team they aren't critical enough and if they have to be critical they turn that finger and they point it at the manager and yeah and instead of pointing it at the manager Alexi Lawless he included the manager in there, but he, he pointed it at all of them. He said, it's not just yeah. the manager. It starts with you, which is, which is what we've been saying. Like, you know, you could change the manager, but you're not changing the players. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you have Jurgen Quinsman. It doesn't matter if you have Bruce Arena. It doesn't matter if you have somebody else. They can only select American players. And that's where the problem is right now. It's the American players that are playing aren't bringing it. And kudos to Alexi. I, I, Let's not forget when the when the U.S. was getting ready to go to the 2014 World Cup, they were going on their on their send off tour. There was promotions going on, and ESPN set up a set in Times Square before the game that took place at Red Bull Arena, and they brought out the team. And ESPN had their set there, and in front of everyone, Alexi Lawless said, "I think Germany and I think Ghana advance out of that group." And they all turned to him, and he looked at them, and he said, "Prove me wrong." So it's not like Alexi Lawless is not one to criticize them, but he is very partisan. He is very pro-U.S. And it was refreshing to see him just lose his, for lack of a better word, lose his shit the way the rest of us do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, nobody, he, he is, he is articulate in a way that many U.S. soccer commentators are not. Taylor Twelman, I'm looking at you. And, but he is equally impassioned. And he's he will say whatever he wants to say because he doesn't care. He doesn't like he does not care about losing his commentating job based on what he says. And well, part, that's because that's, he well, works, I think that's important. That's tactical. because he works like, with Warren Barton and Eric you know, Ronaldo and he fucking hates them. Yeah. You can I, see how miserable he is on that yeah. box set. Okay. <laughs> we gotta round things off here and get these damn kids off my lawn. <laughs> Uh, so until next time, have a good one. Follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin, Paulie's Pequestal, and Elliot is Keats was better.